Inspired Incompetence is the only podcast that has what plants crave. Manure! How's everybody doing today? I thought it was yeah. electrolytes. Yeah. Yeah, well, what do you think is in manure? Yeah, where do you think the electrolytes Gatorade. come from? Gatorade. Just pour Gatorade on your plants. It's fine. Yeah. Plants it won't, thrive it, with salt. Everyone knows that. Yeah. It won't calcify your soil or anything. It'll be great. <clears throat> so, here we are. Back once again in the uh, the thriving city of Vigil, population unknown. And, uh, yeah, you guys just, uh, you just bagged yourself a demon. Sort of. Uh, you killed it, at least. And, yeah, you've got an unconscious Eluna who has, uh, supposedly, that um, that cool ballista bolt that uh, she went down here for. How is that? Is that, like, affixed to her somehow? Is she holding it? It's, like, gripped still? in her hand. Oh, okay. And then she's still floating, or...? She, nope, Rogyar pulled her out of the circle, uh, and once she left the circle's border, she dropped back to the ground, but she is still unconscious. And still holding the ballista ball. Yes. Got it. Uh, just looking at her, it's like, she's clearly alive, like she's like twitching and like like fidgeting, unconscious, and just from looking at her, it's like holding onto that ballista ball is even while she's unconscious, like the most important thing that uh, she has ever done. Well, Rogier's going to step on up and hit her with a kinetic healing. See if that jolts her awake. I thought you were going to say hit her with a kinetic blast. <laughs> Double tap. I never liked you. We're on a murder spree. <laughs> <laughs> no one else is down here. It's just us. So she heals for 30 and then takes a point of burn. Her her eyes snap open. <gasps> And she, uh, she like immediately sits up. She whirls around. And she's clutching that ballista ball, and she, she looks at the room, eyes splayed, and she, she sees all of you guys. And <sighs> oh, R- Rogyar, Utrid, oh, uh, Randolph. Oh, thank, thank Iamade. What? How did? When did you all get here? Like right now, actually. Not a minute too soon, if my last waking memories are, are anything to go by. Uh, did you did you dispatch with that horrible demon? Uh, yes, we we were able to get, take care of that demon, but... Oh, yeah, I see him right there. Fortunately, it would have been better if we were here sooner, because upon our arrival, Sito had already... I guess become paranoid with fear. What do you mean? I I mean, she was not of her right mind. And she ended up killing Vipira and forcing us to put her down in the process. Eluna, she's still sitting on the floor. uh, And she just kind of, uh, like, faces forward away from... she, She was, like, twisted around to address Uhtred. She, like, just straightens forward and stares at the floor between her feet. Aluna, uh, what happened when you two came down here? Well, when it all happened, it seemed like the temple was one of the last remaining structures in the city. I suppose just due to its architecture, uh, my priority became fortifying this place for survivors and once enough people arrived and we had enough manpower to, to better hold it, I 
I told everyone I was heading down here to look for Ayamade's needle. Sito uh, had recently arrived. Uh, she, she eagerly volunteered to help me, which I, er, I immediately accepted her help. I, I know how capable she is in a fight. We came down here, and we we weren't entirely sure where it might be, so uh, we decided to to split up and cover more ground. I came into here, and well, that's when I got ambushed by that uh, horned demon. He said something about being put in his own prison uh, before I lost consciousness, and th- then I woke up just now. I don't uh, think we were down here for more than ten minutes. Unfortunately, it's been about an hour. Oh, no. At least. How, how, how fair are things on the surface? Not great. But the temple is still being held. As of now, it is holding, but... It's more a matter of when, not if. You're right about that, Uhtred. And she uh, kind of like grips the the ballista bolt like, in, a, in a more like confident, uh, more confidently. And she she stands up and she says, "Now that we have this, we'll need to move the survivors to the the, the last remaining ballista tower in the south side of the city. And once once we're there, we can shoot down that thing, whatever it is, and we'll be able to leave the city." Uh, as long as that thing is still patrolling the skies, uh, I, I don't know if these people would, would make it more than a quarter mile before they got hunted down. Will you please help me shepherd these survivors to the Ballista Tower? Of course, Elena. There's not... <laughs> we don't even have a choice in the matter. She turns her head to the side, uh, and her, her face grows dark. She says, evidently, we all have a choice. And I'm glad to see that you're making the right one. Before we leave the room over here where Viperia's body is, Uhtred is going to make it a point to go and get the note out of her top, um, like, chest pocket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Should we look around this room where Eluna was being held also? Yeah, where's our loot? Nah. Yeah, there are a couple magical auras in this room. Uh, Although most of the armor and weapons here have rusted away and are of no value, uh, you do find a plus one greatsword. You find a magical longsword that I'm going to need a spellcraft check for. It has a halo shaped hilt forged to resemble Iomade's holy symbol. Uh, you also find a plus two Ransur and a suit of masterwork full plate emblazoned with a pair of crossed hammers. It's a 37, Bob. With a 37, you identify this sword as a flame tongue. It's a plus one flaming burst longsword, and once per day, the sword can blast forth a fiery ray at any target within 30 feet as a ranged touch attack. The ray deals 46 points of fire damage on a successful hit. You could sell that puppy for 10,515 gold. Well, you sell it for... Yeah. Yeah. That is the sell uh, sell value. Even though I know that everyone's going to be rolling to uh, claim that. That long sword that long we all sword. use so much. Did you say long scythe? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, that ability... Uh might not be such a bad thing. Yeah, you don't even need to be able to use a, a, a longsword that well. You just point it and shoot a ray of fire once per day just to have. <laughs> That's true. I'd 
roll for it and like you know sell it at the first opportunity that we had if the group wanted to sell it but a easy 46 that adds an extra spell slot absolutely yeah i mean i wouldn't be opposed to that if if you want to like use it and then we can just sell it as group loot once we can but get some use out of it while we've got it you know yeah yeah mm -hmm. and it might be a long time before we get to sell something so yeah <laughs> <laughs> i say we just go upstairs and try to sell it to <laughs> you walk into like yeah. the like an arm uh, weapon store and it's like the front door is there and the rest is missing <laughs> good day shopkeep <laughs> The guy that owns it is just there trying to recover whatever is left of his family's wealth. And he's like, hi, we'd like to sell you stuff. Just give us 10,500 gold, please. Oh, that, and we have so much more than that. <laughs> While we're at it, uh, Luna will tell you all about Iomenes Needle. Uh, this plus one light ballista bolt functions as a greater undead slaying arrow. Uh, you may recall you found two regular slaying arrows of evil outsider in the, not well, like beneath the sewers. It was like after you woke up from the mindscape, um, which probably would have come in handy against that demon, but that's water under the bridge. Um, yeah, yeah well, none the, of us shoot arrows anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, well, Vipira did. Uh, <laughs> did she? <laughs> well, she could have if she so chose. Uh, so a slaying arrow, uh, uh, if it hits the target, if it hits and it's keyed to the target, uh, the target needs to make a DC 20 fortitude save. If it fails, it takes an extra 50 points of damage. Uh, a greater slaying arrow, uh, the DC I think is 22, and they take 100 points of damage. So it functions as a greater undead slaying arrow, except its enchantment is so potent that it deals 50 points of damage even if the saving throw is successful. If the wielder utters the name of their target as the bolt is fired, he gains the benefits of true strike on the attack roll, which is Ooh. a plus 20 insight bonus on the attack roll. Do we know this thing's name? They've been calling it the Haunting Dark uh, ever since uh, it started claiming... Uh, would be survivors, but uh, I would I would be shocked if that was its actual name, a, a, a nickname given to it uh, by uh, a, a city uh, would not suffice for the enchantment. Uchu's gonna pull out the journal from Galdeus and like open it to the back and see if there was any like you know start skimming through for like ah right, we're gonna blow up vigil and. Uh, our, our captain uh, Vecna will patrol the skies afterwards, or something Holy like shit. that. Can you imagine if it was Vecna, dude? <laughs> that'd be insane. Um, all right, yeah. So you flip to the uh, you flip to the uh, the the last few entries, and you don't see anything about that. Uh, it just kind of uh, ends with saying, uh, "I'll just summarize that." It says, uh, "With the test in Roslar's coffer." Uh, being such a resounding success, uh, the Whispering Tyrant has decided that uh, he can move forward with his uh, plans, and it doesn't matter that they still don't know where the final seal is. They just know that it's located in Vigil. All he has to do is blow up the city, and that will destroy the final seal, apparently uh, enabling him to destroy the Great Seal located at Gallowspire, uh, and thus finally... Uh, Allowing him to walk free. Um, hey, Luna. <clears throat> what is it? Good news? <laughs> well, I, I guess 
possibly. Where, where is the seal in vigil that keeps the whispering tyrant imprisoned? She gives you a quizzical look. She says, why would you ask that? Uh, Utrid, I, I think she's missing some key information here. You know, Elena, that my working theory has been that this is Tarbafan trying to free himself. And her eyes uh, kind of grow wide for a second. And she uh, she kind of like whirls around. Uh, you're not really sure. Like, she, like she's like orienting herself to like look somewhere like beyond this room. She's facing away from you. And she says that the seal and vigil was located inside Castle Overwatch. Uh, that's you not good. Remember seeing that Castle Overwatch is now a crater. Well, that means that the only thing standing between this world and the second reign of the Whispering Tyrant is the Grand Seal at Galaspire itself. She turns back to you and like her head is lowered and she says, if Tarbafan was behind this and he destroyed Castle Overwatch like that, it is possible, if not likely, he's already free. If what he did destroyed the seal in Castle Overwatch and, well, I, I've been here for the entire time, but just looking at the damage done from a distance, I would say almost assuredly it did. He could do the exact same thing and he would have no qualms over destroying uh, the top layer of his fortress. Gallowspire cuts deep into the earth. All he would have to do is destroy the, the top couple layers. He wouldn't care. If he could detonate that weapon again on the surface at Gallowspire, he is likely already free. Well, then we have no time to waste. We must let the surrounding cities know and raise the full might of the Last Wall army. Indeed. Well, then, she's, she looks like she's like kind of winded. Uh, she puts herself together and she says, Well, let's, let's return to Sancti Amade, or what's left of it. We ha first things first, we have to get these survivors to safety. So are you guys, um, are you leaving Vipira down here? It is a crypt, after all, or are you uh, bringing her with you? Is was Elena like implying that like we're gonna go now? Like we've got the bolt. We're not like there's no rest or build up time. Like we're going right into let's gather people up, start getting everyone on the same page, and make our way over to the tower. It that sounds, seems to be what she wants to do. Yeah, it I mean, sounds the, like time is of the essence here. Yeah, the longer the longer you guys stay put in this place, the more undead are going to show up and. Yeah, I would imagine then, Vipir, we would leave her body in the bottom chamber with any of the other people that had died in that room. Like, they're probably not bringing up corpses, so... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, you lay Vipira down for her final rest. Yeah. Uh, and I would lay her cloak over her, too, the one that we used to, to open the door to get down here. Right. Okay. So you... Uh, you, you Reemerge. You're you're in like the main part of the cellar, like where like the um, like the triage area is with all the the injured people. Like where my brother was when we first came down through yeah, the yeah. trapdoor. Also, Go sorry, real quick, as we're 
as we're heading back up, we should, uh, you know, heal whoever needs it. I'll offer kinetic healing to whoever wants it. And um, I don't know how much we have left, but I'll offer healing to whoever wants to take it. Kind of rather have some of that real heals. Oh, yeah. You guys want the real heals? Oh, I I have 10 non-lethal damage. So it's like it almost doesn't make sense to take the kinetic healing. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, Rogar, I, I, I saw what you, uh, <laughs> what you did, uh, with, with Aluna. Uh, if you don't mind, I can, uh, I can really take a hit of that stuff. Uh, sure. I guess coming right up. This guy's had too much, too many hits of stuff already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Arginus heals for 33 and then takes one point of burn, which is 10 non-lethal. Dondon uh, stumbles over to Rogyar and says, uh, yeah, if, uh, if you got any more of that stuff, I, I got I got hit pretty hard by those exploding skulls. Uh, yeah, sure. Here you go. And Dondon heals for 24 and takes a point of burn. I, was asked, I gave our I gave our genus my good heal and gave Dondon the crappy one. Yeah, thanks, thanks for that. Speaking of good heals, I'm gonna slap myself with a cure serious. Uhtred's gonna reach into his backpack and pull out this spare spellbook and go up to Dondon. Dondon, uh, here. I kind of forgot I had this, but maybe it can help you. I don't. Uh, I don't mean to. Uh, step out of turn on this, but uh, aren't we missing somebody that was replaced by Dondon? What? Yendo? Yendo. Didn't he come down? down? Didn't he go down with... Uh... No. 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 What, what like, you, the entire time... completely Vi- stepping Vi- out of turn making that up. Vipero <laughs> had been asking and asking. Some people were like, oh, maybe he went down with her. Like, no one really knew what he what happened to him. Like you never got we any made concrete it. information as to where he went. Oh, I thought and we made a shred it. implying he'd be down there. We made a joke at one point last time, like implying that he showed up like a WWE wrestler, like no, with I like s- '80s rock music playing. No, I I do remember one of the NPCs that Vipira talked to mentioned like, oh yeah, I I thought I saw someone like that going down with uh, a Luna down to the crypts. No. I was pretty sure. I'm absolutely certain. I thought the one person that mentioned seeing anything that sounded like Yando was, he was like out in the streets making it over to the Western Wall. I don't know, but I do remember. I'm making things up now. There was an NPC that kind of the rumor mill is a churning. Might have gone down here with him, but we never got anyone saying, "Oh yeah, I saw him do that." It's just people like it was a lot of tired people who've been dealing with a lot of injured people saying like. Oh, yeah, I saw a half-orc go down there, so maybe he's All down there. All of this is mute, because Yando can't use a spellbook anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> Even if he was here... That you know of. That's, I guess I... Well, he was did a good job of holding out on us for, like, a book and a half. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually a 20th-level <laughs> wizard. They call me Tarbafon. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. What a twist. Dude, I got that, like... Ages ago, book one. Yeah, scriptorium, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, so you hand that to Dondon, and he just like holds it in his hands, like almost in shock. He looks back up at you, and he says, "Thank you. I, I don't know if there's time to, to prepare anything right now, but uh, thank you. I, I will, I will make 
excellent use of this. And he's like flipping through it, looking at all the spells. I'll make excellent use of this as soon as I can. At this point, if you breathe, we need you armed and ready. Yes. You're, I'll do my best. And he seems like he's slowly, slowly kind of coming around and being a little, little bit more willing to contribute. Yeah, instead of just making a break for it. Well, it helps um, when the one person who wanted to murder you isn't around anymore. <laughs> yeah. well, a really big stressor in his life is now gone. <laughs> All right, so yeah, you guys, uh, you uh, you're in the like the main part of the cellar where all the the triage uh, cots are set up. The uh, the priest of Ayamade, uh, he he moved the barrier for you and he's he's putting it back into place and he sees you have a, a Luna with you uh, and he doesn't really seem uh, he seems like he's still pretty upset at you guys for killing Cedo but uh, he he addresses uh, Aluna and he he says Aluna did you, did you get it you have the ballista bolt she holds it for him to see and she says I did indeed I wouldn't have made it back out if it weren't for these uh, for these heroes I, I'm sorry and she she turns to uh, uh, our genus she says I don't think I've been acquainted with you <laughs> I'm I'm our genus. Uh, it's a it's a pleasure to meet you as well. Uh, I did not foresee our uh, our meeting uh, through the car. <laughs> so I, I apologize for the informality. No need, no need for apologies. It's we we need all hands on deck, and so the more the more people who are here, the better. We, <laughs> yes, I, I'm not. <laughs> Sure, oh. if there's time for uh, for pleasantries. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. All hands on deck. All hands on deck. Uh, as he stokes himself up, uh, realizing that's a play on words for uh, for his uh, harrow deck. <laughs> ah, love it. Uh, Aluna's like she's being very uh, very polite and patient with. Uh, with Arginus's mannerisms and she's just happy that he's happy and even if she doesn't really understand what he's all about the priest of Ayamade is like just giving him all sorts of side eyes and uh, he says well uh, shall we wait down here and uh, Aluna says uh, she she looks around at everybody who's like the room is like dead quiet everybody's uh, very anxious about what's about to happen she says Everybody needs to prepare to start traveling. I know a lot of you here uh, are very badly hurt. Or and she looks over at uh, at Cass, who's still in the middle of labor. She's or otherwise uh, incapacitated. But the longer we stay here, the more dangerous it becomes. There should be uh, several several stretchers and carts upstairs that will help us travel. We'll have to we'll have to go slow. To keep everybody together, but as long as we all travel together, we should be okay. Uh, so with that, uh, she leads you guys back up through the trap door, and uh, on your way past them, Utrid, uh, Ryland, uh, he approaches you again, and he says, "I'm I'm glad to see that you're okay after going going over there. I, we all heard fighting and, and, and screaming. Uh, well, that I don't won't know. be the last of it, Ryland." I know, I know. Prepare I... yourself now, because you will be required to swing a sword. 
he like takes a deep breath and looks back over at Cass and he says, I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do to protect what's left of my family. And he gives you a significant look. Uh, now that's a Bebenbeh. He gives you a, a small and tired smile. Uh, and he says, I, I was a fool, Uhtred. Do you think you could ever forgive me? Of course, Roland. You know what? That, that life is gone. You have a chance to be whoever you want to be if we make it out of this. No hard feelings. Not that I ever had hard feelings towards you or your brother. I know you didn't do Trid. You maybe if you if maybe if things were different you could have you could have kept me in line better. Taught me a thing or two. Maybe But like you like you said, that that life is over now and we'll have to we'll have to start over and make the best of it. And uh then you uh Cass uh she's like having another uh, like contractions. <laughs> Ryland, get, get over here! And he, uh, he hurries back over to her. Oh, you, you turn, you turn back around to to keep going, and Aluna's looking at, like, right at you, and she has a very strange look on her face. Um, and when you, like, she's she's towards the trap door, so you, you keep walking towards her, and when you reach her, she kind of leans in close to you, and she says. Uh, I'm sorry, Uhtred, but if you don't mind me asking, who, who is that man to you? It's my younger stepbrother. Surely you remember Elena. She she looks back over at him, and uh, you you can see like very very faint uh, like recognition. She looks back at you, and she she almost looks like like she looked like a little upset when she first started talking to you, and when she turns back to you, she looks like even more upset. She says. Uhtred, um, I, I hope I'm just being overly cautious, but I've been weary of those two ever since they came in here. Um, weary how? The magics that caused all of this. It, you've seen it for yourself back in Roslar's coffer, and, uh, well, I, I haven't been out of the, the temple since it started, but... I've heard my fair share of stories. It, it, it twists things and, and warps them in, in, in horrible ways. There's no telling what the magical fallout of that explosion will do to any of us, let alone a newborn baby. Now, I don't know, but maybe it's nothing, but I just want you to be prepared for what might happen. Well, it's... Not my child, but I hope beyond all hope that in light of these events, that child will be born a living child. It may not be too much longer before that doesn't happen anymore. Yes, well, you're right. We we need we need to just focus on everybody getting out. I'm I'm sorry, I should I shouldn't have even brought it up, Uhtred. I, I just Let's just focus on the task at hand. And she turns around, almost like she's, like, kicking a door open, but, like, reaching up above her head, equivalent of throwing the hatch open. Uh, and she uh, climbs up. As Uhtred, uh, like, gets up to the ladder and, like, puts his hands on it, he'll turn back over his shoulder and look over at Rollin, and then kind of look at Cass, like, all pregnant, like the big baby bump. And he's just going to have, like, a really bad pit feeling in his stomach. 
and then turn back and climb up. All right. Everybody else going up? Yeah, I, I, I float out of this crypt as fast as I can without blowing anyone over. All right. And uh, there is uh, just a slowly forming queue line uh, behind you guys to uh, for everybody else to get out. Uh, so you all exit the ossuaries and uh, you return to the... Uh, to the ground floor of Sanctiamide, and things are uh, pretty much as you left them. Uh, you've got all of these uh, guards keeping watch over this uh, uh, more lightly fortified uh, eastern flank of the of the building. Uh, and as the the trap door is uh, thrown open, uh, they had all turned over uh, in surprise. But when they see Aluna uh, climb out of the uh, out of the cellar, they all let out a, a breath of relief and they start helping you guys out and as soon as Aluna has uh, stepped foot back onto uh, the ground she turns to everyone and she says we're leaving as soon as possible you need to get uh, stretchers, carts anything that will move uh, that will that will help the injured travel through this city should, should we maybe head out first as a scouting party try to clear the way of anything that might be lurking along the path she turns and she she looks at you and she uh she thinks for a second i think that might be a good idea if you're willing to to go out on your own in this well the very least we can give you warning if something else is coming indeed if you find any uh wagons or uh, carts in the streets that look like they still work We'll leave them for you. We'll leave them in the yes. path for you. Yes, yes, exactly. Thank you. Yes, we will. Uh, we'll we'll follow you as soon as, as soon as we've mobilized. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you guys uh, make whatever preparations you want, and then uh, you're free to head back out into the the city. All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right. All right. I just looked it up, and apparently. Uh, Wizards can prepare like individual spells, uh, like a little quicker than like preparing like all of their spells for the day. Right. Um, Dondon's in the corner, like reading furiously. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. While we also have this slight downtime, I am going to use one of my pearls to re-prepare a chill touch spell. Solid idea. I fucking love these pearls so much. <laughs> yeah, they rule. Like, when I built Uhtred, I was like, oh, man, it kind of sucks that I, like, get so few spells, even though I'm a spellcaster. And these pearls have just been like, yo, fuck that shit. <laughs> Found so many pearls, you've, like, become a full Magus again. <laughs> yeah, well, beyond a full Magus. Yeah. All right, so between the spells that he was able to prepare from his spell mastery feat, I think it's called, and then this uh, spell book. He, you know, he, he's l- less than useless, or, or more than, he's better than useless. <laughs> less <laughs> than useless, he's actively sabotaging us. Well, because I was like, is, less than useless sounds bad, but more than useless sounds bad too. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's better than useless. Better than useless, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So, uh, as you're as you're kind of uh, recuperating, preparing yourselves, uh, Eluna is still uh, 
like running around the place mobilizing everybody and uh Kel so kellen shaley comes down the stairs at some point she hears aluna barking out orders uh and she informs aluna that uh so they've been they've been communicating with that ballista tower they've got like this like network of mirrors uh hooked up on the roof of the temple and they've done something similar at the ballista tower and they've been like uh, exchanging messages back and forth with like galarian morse code so she informs aluna that the ballista tower has a vantage point to the harbor that uh you guys don't from the uh sancta Ayamade, and apparently a sailing vessel entered the harbor about an hour ago and it docked at one of the piers and was almost immediately uh, overrun with undead. Apparently, the Ballista Tower dispatched some guards and managed to save most of the sailors on the ship and brought them back to the Ballista Tower. In the meantime, uh, if, you know, it, once the haunting dark has been taken care of, uh, that sailing ship seems to be the best course of escape after the haunting dark has been taken care of getting everybody on that ship and sailing out of the city through the river yeah, sounds like a plan so yeah the uh the guards that let you in originally uh they remove that barricade again and uh they let you guys out and you're back out in the city you get like less than a block away from the temple and you know it's it's been it's been a minute since you were out here but already you're you're pretty sure you're seeing fresh corpses like just more survivors who tried to get to this temple but yeah. they didn't make it <clears throat> i'd um, say all told we were probably in there for like maybe an hour yep uh a, a, a few of the survivors that you're seeing like whether it's like just down the street from the temple or even as you continue to move through the city a lot of them have those weird bones protruding from uh, their backs, or but uh, on you go. Uh, are, so are you? Uh, you, you just kind of uh, eschewed uh, stealth, getting to the temple. But now that you're, you're, you have a, a different mission at hand. How are how are you moving through the city this time? Well, definitely not stealthy, because I think the since we're trying to like clear the path. Yeah, like we would almost want to draw some stuff to yeah. us so that they kinda, don't sneak behind us once we've already passed. Yeah, and like kind of going down the main like roadway, I guess, because if we're gonna, they're gonna be taking carts and injured. Like <coughs> they're gonna we're need not the ducking roads, in the yeah. alleyways and stuff. Sure. Okay. Why don't you guys give me perception checks then to represent your ability to spot uh, anything useful on the way? Um, and just be alert for trouble. That's a 27. Uhtred got a 14, and friendly reminder, Uhtred still has the goggles. Right, right. Uh, Randolph got a 6. Apparently the conversation with Thelias is just uh, enthralling. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did Thelias get? How well is he paying attention? Oh, yeah, I forgot he can pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> and not to Randolph. <laughs> 12 so double he's twice as focused wait what uh our genus got 22 so let's go to the vigil map yeah i like the sound of that we are so good at taking out undead at this point we can just hand wave it 
All right, so you're traveling from this area just to the uh, the southwest of the crater that is Castle Overwatch. You have to make it to the southernmost ballista tower. Uh, so yeah, you have to. You basically are passing right past the uh, the harbor where yeah, that sailing that. ship probably is, uh, and then you're getting to the ballista tower. So wouldn't it make more sense to bring the wounded to the ship? Well, because the ship is not secure. The ship's not secure, and the haunting dark is still flying around. Right, but what I'm saying is, wouldn't it make more sense for them... I mean, like, we're going to go past the ship, so we can, like, tidy it up, right? And then have them go to the ship. We continue to the tower the advance group and try and kill the haunting dark so that the the injured and and the weak aren't literally going past the final destination hmm um the ship is a far cry from being as defensible as the ballista tower is or even what remains of the sancti amadei it might be uh, maybe a good middle ground though would be to like they're already capable of communicating with each other so maybe the uh, the ballista tower like once you like, assuming you uh, succeed at killing the haunting dark in the ballista tower they can just uh, signal over to the Sancti Amadei to okay like meet us at the, the harbor since like the halfway point That's the only true. problem is we um Eluna didn't give us the ballista bolt to bring with us, right? We're just kind of the advanced scouting party. Um, yeah, but I mean, so like I, like I'm, I was seeing the map for the first time in a while at the same time that you guys were, and so I'm just kind of like going try, through try, like the order of operations, trying to see what uh, makes logical tactical sense. Yeah, right. So like we're looking at the map, and like it, Eluna, who's lived in this city for a very long time, uh, would probably like it would probably dawn on her like what a back and forth trip that would be um so yeah i I don't have a problem like retconning that uh so luna can say on on second thought and she she holds out uh like you're like on your way out the door and she she holds her hand out to give uh one of you whoever wants to take it the ballista bolt she says if you are willing to accept this responsibility. Uh, I would leave the ballista bolt with you. You're all much more capable of traveling through the city, especially in a smaller group. If you get to the ballista tower, then you can take that thing out, and then they can signal to us with those mirrors. The harbor's about halfway, like almost directly in between here and that ballista tower, and we can meet there after the haunting dark has been dealt with. I that... Sounds right, because that way you all can stay in the relative safely st- safety of the cathedral while we hopefully take care of this. Randolph accepts this tremendous responsibility and takes the bolt. Okay, so Randolph, uh, he reaches out and he grabs the bolt, and Aluna doesn't let go at first. Like she, like there's like a moment where like you're kind of tugging on it, but she's like holding it firm, and she looks you dead in the eye, and she says. Don't miss. I relay that to Thelias. <laughs> yeah, Thelias, don't miss. Honestly, Thelias would be a better shot. 
I'm sure you would be. I'm not taking the shot. I'm just holding the ball. Yeah, I thought you were going to role play that as like, oh, ma'am, you're mistaken. You thought I was shooting him? No. The great honor of being the carrier of it. I accept the responsibility of weapons caddy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, now you're making it sound lame. <laughs> weapons caddy. What am I going to give an advice when we get to the hole? I like, thought oh, more well, Olympic torch bearer feel. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Weapons caddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys are uh, you're traveling through the city. Uh, you're taking the most direct route that you can. Yeah. Uh, I do imagine since our mission has changed slightly, we'd be a little more effort at stealth, but not still like mm. we're still trying to clear the path for him, though. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least to get to the harbor. Yeah, but even um, so, I'd want to clear the path after the harbor. Back to the harbor. Yeah, I want I want the guys in the tower to be able to get there quick and efficient. Yep, yep. Uh, okay, so yeah, like there's there there are undead like all over the city, and. Like, while it's not, like, mobbed with them, like, you're not, like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, like, elbowing your way past, like, just crowds of undead, uh, you're, at the very least, facing, like, an odd, like, zombie or ghoul, like, every, like, at least every block. Uh, sometimes, like, you'll turn a corner and there'll be, like, a small gathering of, of skeletons and they all like turn to you and they shamble towards you and it's really like it's not like that big of a deal to take care of like most of these undead it sounds like uh, what what was like coming out of Roslar's tomb at night while we were watching yes yes that is a very uh, a very apt uh, comparison uh, you make your way to the harbor or at least uh, like parallel to the harbor and you continue going uh, towards the Ballista Tower from there and uh not too long after you've uh, like passed that halfway point, Rogiar would be the first to uh, to hear this, uh, followed by Arginus. Uh, maybe a couple blocks away, uh, there is some sort of commotion. You're positive that you can hear like living people uh, shouting, uh, screaming, and then there's. It's hard to make out. It's just like this like blanketed sound that sounds like uh like maybe like ghostly wailing or like just this other like spooky vocalization uh oh kind God. of blanketed over uh the the sounds of people shouting i would pick up my pace you said it's coming like if we can on our current trajectory we're gonna come up on it right so yeah i would just increase my speed yeah all right, uh, so you pick up the pace and you round a corner and uh, you see uh, you see a like a, a cart uh, in the middle of the street and uh, I'll I'll add that up until this point like you have spotted like a a wagon in, in disrepair but it looks like it's you know it it'd be slow going but you could get people on there and like carefully transport them to the harbor and you've been kind of like like maybe like like riding a like an overturned wagon or two on your way and just kind of leaving breadcrumbs for the people in the Saint Diana day. But so you round this corner and uh, you see a, a cart in the middle of the street and it's one of its wheels has uh, has fallen off and it's being like propped up and uh, like two soldiers are trying to get the wheel back on it and there are uh, very badly injured civilians 
uh, on the cart and like on the street as well. Looks like uh, looks like the cart was working and the wheel popped off and uh, they're like broken down and some of the injured people like rolled off and they're like trying to like the, so there's the two soldiers trying to get this wheel back on and then there's two more soldiers that are uh, kind of putting themselves between uh, this scene and you see uh, three uh, creatures. Uh, slowly approaching, coming from the opposite direction of you. Some of you will likely uh, recognize it, but recognize them. But uh, I'll have everybody make a knowledge religion check, all the same. Ugh, natural one. Ugh. Hey, get it out on this. Yeah, true. That's a ten. Utrid got a thirty-one. Uh, so Utrid and Rogyar would remember uh, fighting one of these creatures back in Roslar's coffer. Uh, but there's three of them, and they are much bigger than what you remember. These ethereal balls of faces hover in the middle of the air. Tears stream from every one of the faces' eyes, but the drops fade to nothing before they reach the ground. Oh, these things. There was, um, like, a key thing about them, too, that we knew. In a world with powerful spells, silent monsters, and a long history that can often affect the present in unexpected ways... Death, even mass death, especially mass death, can sometimes come as a surprise. While souls may move on, the sudden feelings of loss and confusion can be left in the world as psychic imprints, and if enough of those feelings exist in one place, they can combine into a melakage. Um, so Utrid and Rogyar would remember fighting this thing that was the antithesis of the spirit of the town, representing all of their... Uh, their fears and disappointments. So, Utrid, you can ask me uh, two questions about a Melakage. I don't really remember what you learned about them from last time, if anything. We know they're in, in Corporal, right? Uh, yes. And uh, when when you fought the one in Rosar's coffer, it was medium sized. These, there's three of them, and they are large sized. So for for all the faces that made up the Malakage in Roslar's coffer, it looks like it's like four times as many faces. All of people that were likely citizens of Vigil just hours ago, and they're just the ball's just rolling, roiling, and as it as it rotates and uh, kind of makes its way towards uh, these guards and the the overturned cart, uh, it just like spins on the spot and it just reveals more and more wailing faces. If I remember correctly, we had to keep making like will saves against them, didn't we? Uh, yes. You and you you successfully made all of your saves, so you I don't think you ever found out what they were even for. Um, alright, two questions, he said. Yep. Tell me what happens if we fail our will save. They have an aura of despair. Any creature that is hit by a Melakage's natural attacks must succeed at a will save or be overwhelmed by sadness for 1d6 rounds. Affected creatures take a minus 2 penalty on ability checks, saving throws, attack and weapon damage rolls, and skill checks. So it's basically sickened without mechanically being sickened. Uh, this is an emotion and mind affecting effect. And then at the start of a Melakage's turn, each creature within 30 feet that is affected by the Melakage's despair ability takes 1d4 points of negative energy, and the Malakage becomes corporeal for one round. 
It loses the incorporeal subtype and gains a strength score. Its deflection bonus to AC becomes a natural armor bonus, and its incorporeal touch attack is replaced with two bite attacks. It loses its fly speed and gains a base speed of 30 feet. A creature within the Malakage's aura at the start of the Malakage's turn can allow itself to be affected by the Malakage's despair ability, as if it had failed its uh, will save against its uh, attacks in order to trigger this ability. So these things are going to like just keep flip-flopping between being incorporeal and just like squishing to the ground and rolling around physically. Yeah, one more question. Uh, any DR other than incorporeal? No, they do not have DR. So you guys, you guys, around this corner, and you see the overturned cart. There's two guards trying to, uh, trying to replace or, or repair the wheel, and two more guards have positioned themselves away from the cart, opposite you guys, in preparation for these things rolling in. Uh, and that's when you notice a fifth soldier, kind of uh, doing his best to uh, help the injured people uh, who had fallen off the cart to get back to it and you see uh, uh, Ralphus Gandry kind of uh, limping uh, his way uh, back to the cart with a couple injured people uh, over his arm see he's earning his honor back so it would seem and he outlived uh, us when yeah <laughs> more importantly so yeah you uh, you see this scene uh, going on and uh, Ralphus uh, he he sees you guys because he's facing like away from the cart as he's trying to get some of these people back onto it. And uh, he says, Oh, thank heavens! Please help us! We need to stall for time to get this cart moving again. Don't worry. Uh, we'll buy you all the time you need. And, and you then see, some. Uh, see Uhtred take this moment to cast a chill touch. Okay, so everybody roll initiative. But while you're doing that... We're going to have a little flashback. Ooh. The scene begins inside a large room, filled with comfortable, if chintzy-looking furniture. The room seems to glow bright orange from the loud, gaudy curtains, absorbing light from the mid-morning sun. The smell of cheap perfume, mixed with a sour iron scent, fills our nostrils. The bright glow dilutes finer details somewhat, but as our eyes adjust, we can see the blood. It pools on the floor paints the walls, and stains the furniture. One, two, lift! We see two lightly armored guards transferring a body onto a stretcher. The body's covered by a white sheet, but we can see long black hair dangle below the stretcher as it's lifted by the knights. The lead knight takes one final look around and shakes his head. By the light of the sword. We follow the guards as they carry the body out of the room and exit the building. As we step outside, our senses are assaulted by light and noise as the morning sun is no longer dampened by the colorful curtains. A large, noisy crowd looks on as the knights load the stretcher onto a carrier, where nearly a dozen other sheet-covered bodies await, already secured. A line of more heavily armored guards separates the crowd from the carriage and crime scene. The lead knight turns to the line of guards, keeping the civilians back. That's all of them. Get them out of here! Two of the heavily armored guards turn and begin working on separating the crowd to make a path for the carriage as the driver spurs his horse forward. Our current vantage point becomes unobscured as the carriage crawls forward and reveals a lone man standing beside the slaughtered whorehouse. The man is still as a statue, clearly in shock. We get closer to him and recognize the messy blonde locks and handsome face of Thelias Baker. 
After a few moments alone with Elias, the silence is broken. Why am I not surprised? Elias snaps out of his stupor and whirls around, and we see an older man in armor, though still slightly younger than we knew him, Ralphus Gandry. He stares down Thalias with a scowl of deep disappointment. Thalias meets his gaze with eyes wide with shock, and after a moment, his body loosens back up, and he returns to his blank stare at nothing in particular. Ralphus's scowl deepens as he takes a step toward Thalias. What do you have to say for yourself? Thalias continues to stare into nothingness, but shakes his head. I'm not worthy of my title. I failed this city. I'm no knight of Ozum. Ralphus's already stern face hardens even more as though preparing to pile on more demerits, but he just stares at the young knight for a minute, before his face softens again. He looks behind him, at the still-crowded streets, then at the whorehouse, looming over him and Thalias. <sighs> come on. Let's get out of the street. We cut and come back outside a large building, complete with artistic sweeping mosaics lining the walls. Statues of beautiful, angelic beings stand along a short path leading from the busy city streets and up to the front steps. Soft, somber music can be heard, lightly wafting from within the church of Shaylen. Standing on the front steps is Ralphus, looking down at a still-shaken Thalias, who sits on the topmost step. Ralphus takes a look around, pausing at the nearest statue of a minstrel, stoically tuning his lute. I thought you'd put that brothel behind you, son. Thalias looks up at Ralphus with pursed lips, a look of anger on his face. It was too easy to go back. I barely even tried to resist. Ralphus turns to meet Thalias' eyes. Damn it, Thalias. You were top of your class. I must have bragged to every commander in the cavalry that I had Vigil's next big hero ready to graduate. To keep their outfits ready to add you on. Three years later, I'm still embarrassed to show my face around Captain Trachus. He kept a spot open for you for eight months on my recommendation while you drank and hoard your way to the gutter. He turns his head away with a grimace. Thank the light, Sito spared me from complete failure. Now Celias' turn to look away in disgust. I don't want to talk about Sito, sir. No wonder why. Heard she sat you down real good back in Roslar's coffer. Can't say I was sorry to hear about that. I'd hoped it was the motivation you needed to get off your ass, but... I was wrong again. She let my parents die. Oh, wake up! Stop blaming everyone for your failures! The front doors of the church open as a small group of acolytes exit, excitedly chatting about some new dance choreography. The soft music within climbs as the trio trots past Elias and Ralphus, and we get a peek inside before the doors close and witness a halfling woman studiously chipping away at a far-from-finished wooden sculpture atop a raised dais farther in. The doors close with a soft thump, and the music falls again, to mere background noise. Thalias watches the dancers as they happily merge with the crowds of the busy vigil streets. I know I'm a failure. I was so happy to prove my dad wrong when I graduated at the top, that I ended up proving him right, all the way at the end. He looks back at Ralphus, with glassy eyes of regret, and he shakes his head. I'm sorry I let you down, sir. I can't protect the people of this nation. I can't even protect the people of this city. Rafa shakes his head back at Thalias. No, you can't. Thalias buries his face between his knees, but Rafa keeps his gaze on the young knight. Not like this. Not how you are. The old knight takes a seat next to Thalias and looks out at the street. But I'm not finished with you. Thalias turns his head to peek out from his sorrow and look at his teacher. Rafa places a hand on Thalias's back. 
Your resignation is accepted. You're not fit to be in the city guard, let alone out in the cavalry. But there's one thing I can always count on you to do, Thalias, and that's get back up. I taught you a lot, but getting back up, that's something you brought with you from home all those years ago. The ghost of a smile escapes Thalias's pursed lips. Sido used to call me the sleepwalker. I think seeing how mad she got only made me more determined. Ruffus lets a sad smile shine through his scowl, but it's gone almost as fast as it arrived. Go back home, Thalias. Find something to do to help people again. Get away from the city and, and all the noise. Figure out what's important to you. Thalias sits up straighter. A dawning sense of closure crosses his face. I can learn to get back up again. Ralphus pats Thalias' back as he stands back up. He struggles against his lame leg as he turns to face his student. And once you do, <clears throat> come back to Vigil. Come back here and protect the people again. Alright, so that brings us back to the present, where everybody, by now, hopefully, has rolled initiative. Rogyar. 28. Utrid. 19. Randolph. 10. Arginus. Uh, 9. Okay. Alright, uh, so, uh, first up is Rogyar. Alright, Rogyar's gonna fly forward 60 feet. And he's going to start gathering power. Oh, nice. All right. Uhtred. I think he's just going to take a double move action. 60 feet total. And... Dondon's turn. Uh, he's going to move 60 feet. Uh, kind of off to the side. He's trying to, like, get a flank. He shouts, Try to get him in a line! And uh, that's his turn. Uh, Melakage's turn. So the Melakage are likewise going to basically spend their entire turns advancing towards the scene. Randolph's turn. All right. Um, I'm going to turn to Thalias and say, whoa, looks like we might need some reinforcements here, huh? And I'm going to cast Spiritual Ally. Oh, shit. What happens? So I'm going to cast it right on the front one here and an elk a spectral spiritual elk yes. named Elksy comes uh, out of the spirit realm to assist us and uh, seeing Elksy come out of uh, retirement to do battle I uh, nod to Thalias and he charges in after Elksy and they're he's just going to be able to do a double move but I think I've never fought with this thing before. So it makes an attack against a foe that you target, so the red one. Uh, uses your base attack bonus, gaining, gaining an extra attack if it's high enough, which it is. Plus your mm -hmm. wisdom bonus when it makes a melee attack. And it deals okay. 1d10 damage plus 1 point for 3 caster levels, so 1d10 plus 3. Okay. And uh, I'm actually going to cast Elksy behind the front target. Because, All right. uh I'd like the Elias to be able to flank with his elk pal. All right. And so his double move is 60 feet. So he's basically chasing uh, behind uh, Uhtred. Well, Uhtred's invisible, but that's that's where his position is for, um, for everybody else. And uh, yeah, I'd like to attack with that spiritual ally. So and yeah, it, uh, it can make a full attack, it looks like. And it deals force damage, which is awesome against incorporeal creatures. Yes, it is. 
17. Uh, 17 is not hit. And then I do another one? Or how does this... Yeah. Uh, Minus 5, though. So it would be d20 uh, plus 6. 24. 24 is going to hit. Yes. And it's 1d10 plus 3. Yes. Wow. 13. Let's go. Nice. Elsie is back. (laughs) (laughs) I love how, like... When you were playing Thalias, we all laughed because we were like, oh, Elksy's so much stronger than Thalias. And then you started playing <laughs> Randolph, and we were like, oh, lol, Thalias is so much stronger than Randolph. Like, how yep. is Randolph going to handle having a stronger version of Thalias around now? Yep, he's uh, he's pretty communed with Thalias now. I would so say he, so. He doesn't, he doesn't even mind. It's just like he's got his own fucking posse. <laughs> Hell yeah. Living the dream. So Uhtred and Rogyar might be uh, maybe a little caught off guard to like look up towards their adversaries and suddenly see who they could swear is Elksy appears. Although uh, Elksy like maybe made of like the translucent force, perhaps not unlike how Thalias looks, and just start going a fucking town on the lead Malakage. Alright, so that was Randolph's turn. Pretty good. Uh, and last but not least, probably, is Arginus. Arginus a little bit surprised uh, by Elksy popping up in the dead center of combat. Um, it's okay. I don't think Elksy can be damaged. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, just like how it, he was in his normal life. Yeah. Uh, so It probably still is. That kind of hypes. Uh, that kind of hypes up our genus a little bit. He's like, "Yes, yes, uh, yes. We shall burn them and take them down." Uh, and does fireball, capturing all three of them in its radius or easily. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You don't need to draw it out. Yeah. Absolutely no effort. You can put that fireball. Put uh, it right here, to- and you're fine. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, I just imagine, like, Elksy pops up and then just a massive explosion of epicness behind it. <laughs> Elksy doesn't even turn around. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, seeing uh, Elksy and then a huge fireball land on top of her, Randolph's a, a little like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that half of the spell. <laughs> Elias said Elksy was strong, but dear lord. <laughs> uh, 10 d uh, right. Oh, so I'm going you, to, yeah. yep, And I'm going to roll reflex saves for the Malakage. That's a 23. That makes it. A 27. Makes it. And another 27. Wow. They fucking came to play. For reflex saves? For reflex saves, yeah. Oh my That's god. Right. Tom's about yeah. to roll... Uh, all sixes and two fives. Uh, that's a 37, so 18. Okay. It was 18 times three uh, for the three targets. So, uh, Oh, but they are incorporeal, so that's actually half Nine again. each, yeah. Yeah. Ah, you're no good. Okay. Uh, and it is the, uh, it's the two uh, guards' turns, uh, and... Like, Dondon is, like, way the fuck back here, just being like, get out of the way, get out of the way! 
uh, and he's preparing to uh, cast a, a spell on his next turn. Uh, it looks like he wants a uh, less obstructed line of sight. Uh, these guards who uh, do not have magical weapons, uh, like they're 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 just here to be fucking human shields right now. Uh, so Southern Guard moves north a little bit, and uh, yeah, and they both just kind of like stand there. Uh, they're like they back up slightly, but they're like they're holding their ground against uh, these approaching undead. They uh, just like tighten the formation up a little. Yeah, like looks like they're just ready to fucking sacrifice themselves uh, to enable uh, this cart to get fixed in time. Uh, but yeah, that is pretty much all they can do. Uh, and it is now Rogiar's turn. Okay, Rogiar is going to, as a move action, gather power float forward five feet and he's gonna unleash a blizzard blast on the red melakage so how many points of burn has your gathering power uh saved you here two because i started gathering power last turn and i did another move action this turn okay and i'm using the uh extended range infusion which i get for free all right so this is not empowered, but it is a blizzard blast. Uh, deadly aimed, because why not? That's that's a 26 to hit. 26 does hit. And that is 58 damage on red, half of which is okay. uh, bludgeoning and the other half is cold. All right. Or um, piercing and cold. All right. I think it's just going to have the whole thing. Right. Uh, so 58 is 29. Yep. It does not die. Definitely took a fair amount of damage there, but it, now it is Uhtred's turn again. Okay. Uhtred's going to move up 30 feet, and as he's moving up, he's going to snap his fingers, get his staff out, and we're going to cast an ice storm. Oh, damn. Right on ice. top of the three of them. And I would do it because they're, like, given their position of how close they are to the guards, I would have, like, the the front of the circle be, like, ending here. So anything past that ping point to the left wouldn't be difficult terrain. Sure. Um, just bear in mind, though, that uh, these creatures are floating in the air and won't be hampered by the difficult terrain. It produces a cylinder 40 feet from the ground up so they will be yes of, of unless damage, they can pass it, it like that's that's the area of damage the i believe it specifically says it leaves the ground uh covered in I'll like look it up ice quick. and shit it says creature creatures inside this area take a minus four penalty on perception and the entire area is treated as difficult terrain yeah but how could you have 40 feet high difficult terrain and also justify that you can still move through it because it's like uh, it's, it's a hailstorm coming down yeah okay for the remaining duration of this spell heavy snow and sleet rains down in the area creating difficult fair terrain. enough although i feel like incorporeal creatures are still unaffected by physical difficult terrain well i'm gonna roll the damage which i don't think there's a save on it yeah, no save. There is though. not a save. I uh, will be halved, though. Just give me 5d6. 15. All right, so now we're just going to take 7. All right, it's now Dondon's turn. <clears throat> All right, so Dondon uh, takes a move action, moves 30 feet, uh, and 
is almost caught up with the cart and he uh, he waves his his arms and there's almost like a, a giddiness in how he uh, he casts a lightning bolt that he prepared out of Uhtred's spellbook that he gave him. The lightning bolt slices slices out like east northeast and like just barely uh, avoids hitting the uh, the guard who had moved north to get out of his way. And I don't know, maybe he wouldn't have even bothered giving him a heads up uh, before uh, he got to know you guys. And the lightning bolt uh, slices right through two of the Melakage, the one that uh, Elksy and Rogyar have been hammering away at, and uh, then the the southeastern or the uh, the northeastern one. So I'm gonna roll reflex for them, and. Well, I got a 16 on one of them, and, well, a 29 on the other, so I guess, you know, easy come, easy go. So, uh, the, the red one is the one that uh, failed its save, so it's going to take full damage from Dondon, uh, and then the blue one will take half. Uh, so, half damage and quarter damage. So that's 26 damage, half down to 13, and then 6, and they're still approaching. So the lead Melakage uh, is going to close the distance to the guards. That's going to provoke from Elksy. Oh yeah. Elksy's new at this. 14. <laughs> 14's not going to hit. So the other two Melakage are just going to kind of uh, like move around Elksy, uh, who I don't think has combat reflexes since it uh, doesn't have any feeds. And the uh, so the blue Melakage has just enough movement to reach the guards as well then the final Malakage, uh it's gonna charge actually because it has to uh, so these two guards are gonna get hit by the three Malakage. so let me just roll oh, natural 18 will definitely hit and that's an 18 touch so that also hits and a 24 uh, touch, which, all, which also hits. So, red guard ooh, takes 25 damage. Ow. Blue guard takes 24 damage. And I'm just going to roll a d4 to see uh, which guard the red Malakage goes after. It's right down the middle. Um, one and two is red, three and four is blue. That's a four. It's going after blue. Wow. And another 25 damage. Those are. <laughs> extremely consistent rolls. Yeah, uh, Blue Guard uh, looks like he got the wind like maybe literally sucked right out of him as these things just kind of like like almost kind of like elongate and the the incorporeal Melakage uh, just kind of brush up against the guards and it seems to just kind of like steal uh, their life force in the form of hit points. Uh, the red guard needs to make a will save, and the blue guard needs to make two will saves. Oh, they both failed their saves. So at the start of the Malakage's next turns, uh, they're most likely going to turn corporeal. That blue guard's still alive after taking almost yes. 50 damage. Uh, Uhtred's so ashamed <laughs> of his own health uh, but with that, it is now Rogyar's turn, and we'll pick that up next week on the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. See ya! Hooray! See ya! See ya! See ya. See ya.